listening to White The Truck. Yeah, baby. 200. It's episode number 200 of What The Truck. Michael Vincent, I'm Dooner. What's hey, up, dude? dude? I'm blown away by 200, bro. Oh, man. It's awesome. It's so cool. You got to wear shades. <laughs> yeah, baby. So bright. I miss some of the LED. at the, the one thing I miss, the one thing I miss from live events, the LED. The LED, the LED was always badass, right? The we LED brought was it. badass, We brought it man. big. No one else is big. badass? No yeah. who's badass? Who is badass? No who's badass? Oh, Truckstop.com <laughs> is badass. They are definitely badass. Truckstop.com, we're in it for the long haul. Our marketplace helps drive the success of the entire freight industry by giving carriers and brokers an efficient way to collaborate with access to trusted partners and the right loads and right tools. The road to success is wide open. Truckstop.com. Michael Vincent. Let's move. Let's move. Right on, brother. All right. So first couple, cue I took from you correctly. <laughs> Co- couple timing. things to mention here real quick. There's a, there's a webinar by HubTech. You definitely want to go and check that out. Do the voting on best in show for demos in that Slack channel. If you're not in the Slack channel, join the conversation now. Right? Oh, yeah. You absolutely have to. It's, it's awesome. And, of course, shout out to our sponsor, truckstop.com. Yeah. truckstop.com. All right. I got to talk to you. Yes, sir. You officiated the great debate. Yeah. Well, yeah. I just I kept them under control. As yes. best I could. Well, there was one question that was brought up in Slack, right? Yeah. Jeff Booth, he said, uh, well, you guys didn't answer. When exactly does the bubble burst? So now it's up to you. You got to answer it. I've got to answer that? You got to answer it. I, I think, I think uh, Brad Jacobs was asked that question. He didn't know either. He didn't. This, this <laughs> I think he, quite honestly, and as, as impressive always is Brad Jacobs. And yeah, I just, I don't know. Because it, it depends on everything. Uh, I don't know that it bursts. Yeah, I mean, a lot of the argument for it bursting is is unemployment, and it ends on you know at the end of this month, and then that's kind of strange because they made it end on the thirtieth. Nobody gets paid their unemployment till the second, first or second, so it really ends on the twenty sixth, not the third. And will they change? And there's another trillion dollars out there they're talking about. Uh, it's an election year. I don't think it bursts. You don't. I yeah. mean, so I like what Jeff Booth had to say, though. He's like, well, if overall spending is down, wouldn't freight volumes be affected as well, especially when so much freight is being moved as consumer packaged goods? I, I think he's, he's right. If consumer spending goes down and unemployment and so on and so forth, what I'm saying is that it's an election year and we've never been through a startup before. Yeah. And there's already talk of a quick another stimulus package that could be coming out, which I believe will. And I, I think I, I'm, I'm voting Craig on this one here. I, I, not that he didn't say it wouldn't burst, but I, I think he thinks that the trends stay uh, fairly elevated and, and strong. And I think that's in everybody's best interest. And I think we're going to do that's what the government and politics is going to try and do. Well, I'm not going to shy away from your optimism. We have some great guests on today. we got Josh Main, Strategic Alliances at TruckStop.com. We've got Russ Felker, CTO at Global Trans. We have Prasad Golapalli, CEO and founder at Trucker Tools, and Garrett Wolf, Vice President of Product Management at Triumph Pay. They're all going to be joining us after the break. In the meantime, as we mentioned, go and vote on those demos for Best in Show. Visit TruckStop.com and enjoy episode 200 of What the Truck. Amen. Absolutely. And what do you got? Freight Tech Awards. Yes, we got the Freight Tech Awards. Who do you think? Who, do you have a favorite? Do you have a running favorite on who's going to pick it up this year? Um, 
I don't. No. I mean, you need what I see out there. Yeah. Getting a flavor of what people are thinking. Yes. I don't. I don't know. I yes. don't know who's going to get it. Very political There's, of you. It, it, <laughs> are, is this your judge coming in? You don't want to taint the jury pool out there. I you... don't want to taint it out there. I, I have my favorite. I, I I see a lot of conversation. Um, I don't know. Tabby. Tab, how about the Tabby's not shabby. Tabby is not shabby. Mm-mm. By the way, after this, tonight after this, there's going to be the icebreakers. If you were there in the afternoon, we had amazing conversations on there. We took the virtual and made it physical by having a great place for conversations presented by Loadshore. Stick around after the show for that. There's going to be a number of very special guests. We'll be right back after the break with Josh Main from truckstop.com. See you after the break. Welcome back. Thanks to our thanks to our sponsors for those wonderful ads they just played. And now we are going to invite to the show Josh Main here, the Strategic Alliances at TruckStop.com. Josh, it's an honor to have you on the show. Thanks for joining us today. Uh, thank you, guys. And uh, first, big fan of the cowbell. I'm from Tampa Bay. You got the Tampa Bay Rays, and, and that's our that's our deal, the cowbell. So you got to give it up for Tampa Bay. <laughs> okay, a little, a little cowbell for him. For the Rays. For hey, the Rays. I saw him talking, so I saw you talking on the uh, the Slack channel. If you're not a part of the Slack channel, you're totally missing out. But you were talking about that uh, that COVID-19 pounds. You're saying it's real. And I, I got to agree with you. It's getting harder to dress myself for these shows, my friend. <laughs> I, I started with the camera about neck level, and then uh, they kept made me move it down. So this is about as much as everybody gets. so wow so we're celebrating 200 episodes but truckstop.com is celebrating what 25 years in business yeah it's it's incredible it's been such a uh just an amazing week with truckstop we have events planned uh every single day and you gotta imagine 25 years of just being in the freight industry going through um you know all all of the ebb and flows that that freight goes through and truckstop's here and we've been around and we've been supporting our customers. So uh, incredibly grateful, thankful to the industry, and just uh, can't be more excited to, to be in 25 years. That's awesome. Congratulations, Josh, to you and yeah. everybody at team there at truckstop.com. Talk about cowbell. How about a little cowbell? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You got to have 25 <laughs> cowbells probably for that one right there. But, hey, Josh, can you talk a little bit about the importance of an effective partner uh, partnership ecosystem in the digital supply chain? Kind of speak to that. How has that helped you guys along, and, and what's the importance there? Sure. And, and I think partnerships are probably more important now more than ever. Um, you know, Brad Jacobs mentioned this morning, he was talking about an intelligent M&A, and we really don't know what the future holds. And, and the easiest way to, uh, you know, grow your business and lower risk and, and have a faster uh, speed to market is by developing an effective partnership ecosystem. Uh, so we welcome all the technology players out there. Uh, we have about 200 plus uh, partners, whether they're associations, whether they're TMS vendors, data share partners, uh, you know, like FreightWaves and, and Sonar, uh, it, it is just incredibly important that, uh, you know, you double down on these partnerships going forward with all the uncertainty, you know? You know, Andrew Silver and Matt Pyatt talked a little bit about that earlier, about having that mix of spot and contract freight. What kind of guidance would you give on the ra- on what that ratio should look like? You know, it's different for every company. Uh, you know, right now you have uh, unforeseen demand that's taking place, and a lot of dedicated contract carriers are, you know, not able to fulfill, uh, you know, all, all the increased demand that's happening. So what are they doing? They're leaning to the spot market. So the, the reason I say that is because I think it's incredibly important to diversify and have strategies set up to, to manage both. 
So have an effective contract and, and you know dedicated strategy, but then also know how to double down on your spot market tools and, and leverage real-time capacity, real-time rates, and be a surgeon when it comes to finding a truck at the right price right now. And that's where TruckStop can help out. Yeah, that's an excellent point. And I think we saw a lot of that fragmentation or uh, a lot of that disruption with the contracted carrier rates uh, when we were talking about the, the pandemic buying, the ver- very first pandemic buying, and really in the, in the first natural surges that we started to see uh, with, with, within the, uh, you know, the rebound, et cetera, as it was fragmented and were kind of, although they were regular shippers, they were regular routes, right? They were finding themselves in the wrong, in the wrong areas, correct? Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, you know, 3PLs and, and logistics service providers out there were having new opportunities that they didn't have before, and, and customer demand was real, and they had to find a solution for it. Um, so, so, yeah, I think absolutely a good spot market strategy can, you know, support overall growth and, and just help hedge uh, against future performance, you know. Hey, Josh, we talked about how difficult it is. You know, like we had the great debate earlier and when the bubble's going to burst and all of that stuff. How do you approach strategic partnerships in a climate like this? So, so that's a great question. Uh, regardless of the climate, you know, I think I like to talk about strategic alliances as a whole because uh, on average, there's a 75% failure rate for partnerships and strategic alliances. And guys, I want you to think about this, right? Because we've been going to the Freight Waves conferences and all the other conferences out there for many years and think over time how many partnerships you've seen and how you're like, whatever happened with that? You know, that was such a great partnership. Whatever happened? So I, I think it's really important to talk about why partnerships and strategic alliances fail. And, and there's a couple of things, but what I sum it up to as not having an effective North Star right? Not, not having the foundation to make a partnership successful. Uh, it's important that you have a, a mission statement. So, you know, how does this partnership impact our customers? How does it, uh, you know, impact uh, our business and our employees and, and so on? Uh, but then at the base of it, there's got to be a win, win, win strategy, meaning that we win, you win, but ultimately what's most important is our customers win, uh, in the partnership. And regardless if it's COVID, if it's uh, ELD uh, capacity tightening, if it's whatever we're going through as an economy, uh, the same fundamentals are going to make you successful uh, from a partnership perspective. That's excellent. You know, we, we, uh, Brad Jacob was talking about it, and, and you invoked his name first, so I'll bring that back into the conversation. He, he, was, talking about, he was talking about M&As and, and partnerships. I think it kind of parallels, and I'd like to get your take on that. One of the things that he really spoke about and was pretty adamant about in the M&As was, was not only the fit uh, with the technology and the win-win for both companies and the customer, but that cultural fit, right? He, he, he mentioned that you could, you, could, you could fix laziness or you could fix the willingness to provide tech or embrace technology, but you couldn't fix a bad culture. Do you think that's, uh, that is as important in partnerships as it is in M&As? It, it absolutely is. And, uh, you know, I, I think um, when you look at truck stop in the 25 years we've been in business, right, there's, there's a core fundamental, uh, you know, values to how we operate. And, that goes through to how we responded to the, you know, the, the COVID response. That goes through to, you know, product releases. Ultimately, everything, you know, that we do, and you know, to really protect our customer experience, we we have to make sure that we we align uh, with our customer expectations, and that's with partnerships, that's with you know, joint ventures, M and A, and you name it. 
because ultimately, uh, when you engage in, in a partnership, uh, that's going to be a reflection on you as an organization, right? Uh, so, so absolutely, I think culture is, you know, and you know, people always talk about M and A, but it doesn't always have to be that. You know, there's there's different types of partnerships. You have joint ventures, licensing agreements. Um, you know, all these different baby steps that you can get to. Uh, you know, an acquisition or a merger. It doesn't always have to be a, a full finish line. I know that's a big buzzword right now is is, is M and A activity and freight tech, but. Uh, there's things that you can do to protect the brand and, and still uh, make it equitable for companies. You know, that, that's a great point. Uh, w- one question I have before you, before, before we have to let you go is, you know, as we, we had that debate, right. And you talk about people getting bearish businesses, hate uncertainty and the, the, the best way to deal with that. And the best way to deal with losing money is to become more efficient. So how can trucks stop become an effective partner to help the repeals become more efficient? Yeah, it's a great question. I think uh, right now, and there was a powerful conversation I had this week with, with one of our customers. Uh, TruckStop earlier this year launched our, our Book It Now functionality. And the conversation that I had with, with a customer uh, that's also a friend, uh, has a couple kids that uses Book It Now, is you know he was uh, working throughout his day, super busy day, and, and went down and had dinner with his family. And for the first time in a long time, because he's usually booking freight, uh, he was able to sit down and talk with his four-year-old son uh, that was in school, right? And found out that his, his four or five-year-old son was, was having issues and was able to coach his, his, his son through these issues he was having at camp. And, and ultimately, it was just a perfect father-son moment. And uh, he goes, you know, Josh, what I'd usually be doing right now is I'd usually be trying to find a truck or I'd usually be trying to vet carriers or I'd usually be trying to find a rate and move that load for the customer. And what I was able to do is spend time with my, my family. So we talk about automation, efficiencies, and you name it a lot, but we, we have to think of the human aspect uh, that, that Book It Now technologies and things like that can, can bring forward. And, and I'm just incredibly proud to be a part of that and, and make an impact uh, to our customers on a real level like that. Josh, I always ask people where they should go next, but with truckstop.com, it's probably the easiest one to do because it's all in a name, isn't it? That's right. Yeah. Go to truckstop.com, check us out, or you can reach out to partners at truckstop.com for partner data share opportunities. We certainly welcome it. Thank you. We we appreciate that, Josh. We'll be back with Russ Felker, CTO at Global Trends, after the break. Stick with us. Welcome back. We uh, we have Russ Felker, CTO at Global Trends, who's joining us next. You know, I saw something really cool in his background, Michael Vincent. Yeah. He is a director at the Trinity Lutheran Church where he helps kids do plays like Snow White, Bye Bye Birdie, Peter Pan, and more. Yeah, yeah, right. Schoolhouse Rock. School, I noticed the Schoolhouse Rock. Yeah. Which is cool, right? Yes. The junction, Junction, what's your function? I wonder if he'll book me the lead on the next one. Oh, man. Russ, can you... Uh, <laughs> he also did Scrooged. Oh, he did? It's right here. The With Bill Murray. Scrooged. Russ, we're talking about here. <laughs> did you? Were you acting in any of these plays? So I, I, I one one time only. These are middle school plays. They're all, <laughs> all middle school actors. But the day of a performance, we had one of our leads get horribly sick. Oh, and uh-huh. I actually had to go on with the middle schoolers. It was unfortunately Pirates of Penzance, and oh. I had to go on as Frederick. Oh. And I'm playing opposite this poor eighth grade girl. <laughs> who is who is now looking at this, you know, supposedly young suitor with a beard and gray hair. But yeah, it was... <laughs> uh, 
<laughs> so a buddy of mine, a buddy of mine, just a real quick story. A buddy of mine used to do plays like uh, The Little Mermaid, and he did it with eighth graders, younger younger kids like you. And he walked off the set. He was the director. He left. He left the production. He said, like, I, can't, I just can't work with these kids. <laughs> I can't work with these kids. <laughs> Too big of demons or something. I don't know. Russ, I'm glad you're coming on, though, because we had that great debate earlier. And a lot of things that were hinging upon that great debate were the movement of consumer packaged goods, e-commerce, things that are keeping the economy buoyant at the moment. I mean, aside from stimulus, can you talk a little bit about Global Trans' role in that right now? Give it, give us some color. Absolutely, and you know, one of the things that we've seen is just a market increase in the amount of e-commerce type, you know, uh, uh, service and delivery that our customers are doing. And you know, there's a lot of you know, less than truckload, truckload things like this, and these are things that are modes that aren't normally thought of in the in the in the vein of really kind of that consumer delivery. But it's becoming more and more that way. The bulky items that you don't think about, you know, an Amazon van delivering necessarily, or even just, a, you know, a, a sprinter or anything like that, are becoming more commonplace as people aren't able to go and get furniture and pick it up and, and things like that. And, you know, we don't really see these trends going away. We see companies looking to expand on them and do more with that. And so, we find, uh, you know, a lot of almost like called blurring of some of these modes. You know, what was parcel or final mile is now, yeah, okay, maybe it's a sprinter van, maybe it's an actual semi, maybe, you know, there's lots of different kind of opportunities that are coming out there as the e-commerce kind of uh, commitment that a lot of consumers have made just by virtue of the fact they had to, if they wanted to get anything, um, is becoming much more commonplace. Yeah, excellent points. And and it brings a question, more of a philosophical question, I guess, is is you always see advancements in our society, et cetera, after a major traumatic event. Is this the major traumatic event that really changes the supply chain and has and managed transportation? I think it is. So it, as you as you it, it's a catalyst for that change. And this the change was ongoing. There were already changes in how the supply chain was being thought of, but there's so many things that happen from demonstrating the fragility of the worldwide supply chain to even looking at more localized impacts that were that were you know that came about from certain metropolitan areas having you know uh, you know demonstrations that were happening and things like that weather events all feeding into the fact that no one's leaving their house and you've got to figure out how to get stuff to people and of course not just get stuff to people but get it back uh, that reverse logistics point that you know wasn't necessarily as big of a deal for many companies uh, going into this time frame, and now has become not just how do I get it to somebody, but when there's an issue, how do I bring it back, and how do I connect all of that activity together? And that's where managed transportation comes in. So while I think there's been a steady growth in that area, and you, you see that across the industry, this has really been a catalyzing event. Uh, to spur that and to accelerate it. Hey, Russ, we hear the terms visibility and control tower functionality so often they just become bullets on a PowerPoint slide in marketing path. What do those terms mean to Global Trends? So when you think about uh, an IT control tower, it is looking at not just a piece of the delivery, but looking at the entire end-to-end component. So it you have supplies that have to come in and have to be put together or, or you know, pre-assembled or assembled. You have to 
get it out to distribution centers. You have to get it from distribution centers to consumers, potentially back, and not just back to the distribution center, but back all the way through that supply chain uh, from a returns perspective and from that reverse logistics perspective. And if you don't have that kind of overarching capability to say, okay, what's going on in all of these segments? How is my spend? How are my processes? How are my systems in all of these segments performing? You don't really have a clear picture of your overall logistics. And that's what IT, that's what that control tower provides. And that's what visibility is really about. Uh, you know, I think we get mired a lot in the where is the truck right now? But then you've got to be able to bubble that up into an overall where were my trucks at different points of these different types of deliveries on an average? And where should I be paying attention? And where are my potential breakpoints and crumble points within my supply chain? Right. Not only where is it right now, where was it, where should it have been, and where is it going to be in an hour or two hours or whatever it happens to be? We all know in transportation, an hour can mean a day of service, right? We should have this kind of visibility when I started. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) When I started on the Break Bulk Docks and and Hagman Road in Toledo many moons 30 plus years ago, I mean, our visibility was uh, a, 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 not even an email, a Twix, if you remember Twixes, uh, through the oh, AS400 wow. from the satellite terminals <laughs> telling us what was coming. And then you had to plan a 200-door brake bulk based on Twixes on when a truck may or may not arrive and what might or might not be on it. But one thing that you brought up was, was not only getting it there, but the reverse, right? I've right. had some instances where uh, we have purchased, as many have during this, you know, through e-commerce some things, and gotten the wrong thing or it didn't fit or whatever and they had a return policy three times just keep it where we fund your money and send you a new one how i mean this is a growing concern and as you mentioned the change in the blurring of these modes that reverse logistics is going to be more and more of a key player no it is it's a key player it's a key player across the different types of modes and and i've had that same thing happen to me where they they send you something and you, you let them know and you go, I, I didn't order this, nor did I, you know, <laughs> this is not what I wanted. And they just go, ah, forget it, keep it. And sometimes that is just the least, the most cost effective approach for yeah, them right. to do. Um, but you've got to have that visibility. Again, it goes back to that visibility. If you don't have the visibility to understand what's it going to cost me to get that back, What's my percentage chance? And it goes beyond just the transportation component of it. It's if I get that back, what's my percentage chance of reselling that inventory item? So based on maybe it was a, a, you know, a piece of furniture that was delivered and set up and put into place, and now you've got to break that down. I guarantee if you've ever tried to break some of the furniture down, I don't care where you get it from, you break it. It's just yeah, yeah. <laughs> things strip, little you know, pieces come out, things like that. So there's all of those additional costs. And if you're not feeding those in and you're not thinking about those, your reverse logistics is not comprehensive. And that's yeah, you- where Global Transit really started to take a lot of our customers is, hey, not, don't just think about how you're getting it there, how you're getting it back. Think about the condition. Think about the resale capability. Think about all of these different pieces that go into managing that supply chain. 
Yeah, part of that reverse logistics is like I ordered a Peloton, Michael Vincent, then I read the instruction booklet and it said that I had to actually ride the thing myself. So you <laughs> you got to send that thing back. No one's riding it for me. Hey, Russ, should have spent the extra money. That on the app. <laughs> they don't. do what they do. It should just be there. I thought it came with the models. <laughs> I know. I mean, what the heck? I they, they, they didn't come to set it up either. That's the other part. That's, uh, no. <laughs> yeah, well, that's that, that's that white glove, but that's becoming big business. Hey, people want to learn more about this. They need help with their reverse logistics their white glove their control tower solutions and their visibility where should they go russ hey go to globaltrans.com get to our managed transportation page get to our just you know get to that get to that site you can you can go different directions depending on what your particular interest is and where you're looking to go of course uh you know global trans is always signing agents and and we have a full suite of uh capabilities there for agents to come on so Thank you very much, Russ. We appreciate your time today. We're going into break. We'll be right back with. Thanks, guys. Prasad. Hey, welcome back, everybody, to uh, What the Truck. And uh, on the line, we have with us our next guest, Prasad Galapali, with uh, CEO and founder at Trucker Tools. Good afternoon, uh, Prasad. How are you doing today? Good. Good afternoon, Michael. (laughs) Looking very sharp, Prasad. Good seeing you again. He, he's probably, he, I think he's riding the Peloton. Is he? Are you on a Peloton right now? Oh, I heard the Peloton comment. I would have done the same thing, Donna. <laughs> it came disassembled, and you said, "Forget about yeah, it." This is not like, what man, I ordered. Like, yeah, it looks this like a lot of work. Not what I ordered. I did not lose ten pounds immediately upon opening <laughs> the box. But Prasad, what we wanted to get into here is is really some interesting stuff, and I wanted to talk uh, first about uh, really proactively managing the carrier experience. Right? And and what is what does it mean, and why is carrier management strategy so critical for brokerages? Um, you know, for when you look at any brokerage today, um, the core part of their business is their carrier network. Without a carrier network, brokers don't don't have a business. Um, Typically, they have to have a strong carrier network that they aggregate and help shippers move freight. Now, everybody talks about carrier strategy, but more importantly, when you look at carrier strategy, how big is that carrier network, but more importantly, how reliable is that carrier network? There are over 200,000 carriers out there, but how many of them are you depending on, or the vice versa, how many of those carriers are actually depending on you to find freight? You know, a lot of, if you think about some of the major, the big companies, the big modern companies, the Amazons, the Teslas, the Apples of the world, they are companies that are about customer experience. Let's talk about carrier experience. Do carriers focus enough on their customer experience? And what, how do you, defi- how do you define the ideal carrier experience? So, um, you know, this is, again, has two parts, right? When you talk about carrier experience, the first part comes from the technology systems that you want carriers to use. That's the the first part. The second one is how you treat a carrier. When you talk to a carrier, what are certain things that you're telling a carrier, right? So the first part, what systems do you want the carrier to use? Say, for example, where do you want them to go to to find your loads? Where do you want them to go to give you real-time visibility? Or how do you want them to submit your invoices? If you are going to give them a runaround and those systems are hard to use, carriers have difficulty, right? That's the carrier experience. A technology should be seamless. The second one is 
When a carrier works with you as a broker, how do you treat them? Are you treating them as a level foot or are you treating them like they are your subordinates? Excellent points, Prasad. You know, uh, earlier today we had uh, Matt Pyatt and uh, uh, Silver, Andrew Andrew Silver, uh, talking, uh, and when they were talking about their two different companies, they're good friends, but they're even better competitors against each other, right? But one of the things that they talk about that struck out with me was at the beginning it was all about growth, 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 growth. And now one of their very, very important considerations in their growth is do they have that carrier network to be able to service that customer? And like you said, it's the customer experience. And they've got really two customers 3PL does, an intermediary. They've got the carrier to keep happy and the customer. So the visibility is extremely important. So it's not even an option, right? I mean, you're speaking the truth here. So how do carriers really leverage that brokerage or how do brokers actually leverage that technology to increase that consistency with those carriers and that tracking and provide that good customer service or experience to both ends of their customers? Because they got two on every, on every transaction, right? So, you know, what you said is absolutely right. There are two customers for a broker. And how they balance that is very important. But more importantly, how they connect these two customers is what truly brokers' business is. They're connecting shippers with carriers or carriers with shippers. Now, when they do that, it's not just a transactional thing, but the visibility is part of it because every shipper, I mean, you guys spoke about uh, something being delivered on Amazon with Ross earlier. That was a fascinating conversation. Um, when you get something on Amazon or anything online, you want to know exactly when it's delivered. And for it to know that it's only two stops away from your house, there has to be a lot of visibility that has to happen all the way up to that point. And so shippers rely on that. Um, they're Contingencies. What happens if a particular load doesn't show up? Michael, you mentioned about the, the you know, load of baseball bats, right? Um, all this is dependent on visibility, true visibility. And when you are a broker, depending on a technology rather than a phone call is a huge difference because technology can really give you the accurate location of a truck. More importantly, where it is and where it has been and where it will be in the next hour. That is the essence of visibility. And without that, it's 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 really impossible for brokers to want to say it, <laughs> not survive in this market, you know, as they go in the next year or two. Hey, Prasad, say uh, I'm a customer of yours, you know, and I've sat on the sidelines. I haven't adopted any tech, and now I'm looking at the market, and there's ELDs, APIs, EDI feeds, app-based, GPS-enabled technology. It's a lot coming at you at once. So what kind of guidance do you, do you give there? Is it one-size-fits-all? A, a bad mistake can maybe be a big setback. How do you go forward here? So all these are visibility technologies, right? So um, if people are still dependent on EDIs, um, that's really archaic, and you know people need to get out of that. But more importantly, the other ones, um, ELDs, APIs, and app-based technologies, um, you have to look at what carrier base you use. Your carrier base, if typically if they're large carriers, they're probably good with APIs and um, ELD technologies. But if they are medium-sized, small-sized carriers or owner-operators, they typically tend to be more fragmented. And that's where the bulk of our capacity is. And typically, that capacity prefers an all-in-one all app today. 
So it's better to adapt to a technology that your carriers require or, you know, carriers like, as opposed to push something down their throat. Excellent, excellent point. So and the traditional the traditional broker, I mean, it, brokers are slow to adapt uh, to new technology or adopt new technology, and, and many of them rely on relationship. You know, they're a trusted partner with this particular carrier or these customers, et cetera. Is this wrong-headed? And if they stick to that, is what's the downside? Can they survive? Um, <laughs> actually, the, the last part is even a bigger question, right? Um, every broker... Um, the reason they are so relationship-based and averse to technology is transportation business is, especially brokerage, is a transactional business. They're focused on moving one load. So if you look at a broker, they're only moving one load. It's actually a lot easier to take a pen and a paper and a phone and manage the whole load from pickup to delivery. It's easier that way. But then. If you think about the scalability of it, it is probably the worst way to scale a business. And so it's dependent on, are you focused on just moving one load or are you focused on moving a million loads? And most of the brokers, since they're focused on a transaction, they tend to look at that. Their processes are typically set up to maximize profits on one load as opposed to move more loads. And the difference is as simple as, you know, somebody thinking like Henry Ford versus trying to do the, the old way, right? There are some businesses, the, the, some brokers today, um, you can think about uh, C.H. Robinson or J.B. Hunt or all these earlier you have arrived, um, Movo, um, all these brokers are changing that game, right? They're all thinking about building things on technology. I mean, we have a bunch of these large customers on our platform. They look at their business as, you know, what Henry Ford has looked at building cars. Prasad, I don't mean to interrupt, but we we are running into a break here, and I definitely want to make sure our listeners know where to go after this interview. So where should we send them? Um, Truckertools.com. Truckertools.com is the place to go. That's easy. If I never got a phone call again that said, where's my freight, I would be a happy man, Prasad. <laughs> you know, have the tools. Have that control tower. <laughs> Make it actually work for you. Hey, we really appreciate your time today. Thank you for coming on the show. You had excellent insights. When we come back, we'll be talking to who? Garrett Wolf, Vice Garrett President of Product Management at Triumph Pay. Right on, bro. Stick with us. Stay in your seats. Welcome back to What the Truck. I'm Dooner. That's the dude. And now we're going to be joined by Garrett Wolf, Vice President of Product Management at Triumph Pay. But also, I'd like to mention one thing here. Yeah. If you, you might have noticed something. This, is, this has been a long time coming. People have been asking, as long as Freight Waves TV has been on people's big screen TVs, they have said, I want to read Freight Waves TV. And now if you click that CC button, you can read Freight Waves TV with uh, closed captioning. Right? Presented by Transfix. By Transfix, right. If somebody could message us, does the cowbell come across in the, in the Yeah, what does that caption? sound like? What does that say when I do that yeah, on the screen? Like know Let me know says. in the Slack. <laughs> <laughs> loud noise. Loud Garrett, Garrett Wolf, how are you doing, man? I'm well. How are you two? <laughs> do you have the closed captioning on? What did that cowbell great, say? <laughs> I, I do not. That's too fancy for me, I think. <laughs> I can't read that fast, my friend. <laughs> I, never, I can't turn it out. It confuses me. All right, Garrett, what is one fact about yourself that nobody knows? Oh, wow. <laughs> um, I'm pretty So people know most about me. Um, I'm a Texas boy through and through. Growing up 
and lived in Texas my whole life. So um, I know that causes some strain around the office with some Oklahoma people and whatnot, but oh. that's all right. I'm- <laughs> don't need anybody from Oklahoma over there. Kevin Hill just threw his shoe through his TV. <laughs> <laughs> Closed captioning says, aggressively thrown shoe. <laughs> yeah. well, well, Garrett, I mean, thank you so much for coming on the show. We love Triumph Pay. We love the team that you guys have over there. And I know that on the next What the Truck, we'll be talking to even more of you Triumph Pay folks. But in the meantime, let's talk to you about, uh, about your technology team. How about that? And the diverse backgrounds that you bring together. Give us some context. Yeah, it's a great question. I joined back in February, so I'm just one example of many of uh, a number of folks that have come to try and pay from totally different industries, right? So, so many of us do not come from trucking logistics industry, and actually, I think that in a lot of ways, that's a benefit to us, right? Because you all have talked with Melissa and Jordan and a number of our deep industry experts, but when we bring those deep industry experts and bring people together that have expertise from other industries, uh, you, you end up with some really fantastic software, at least my opinion. No doubt about it. You know, one of the things that, that everybody hates is, is, is paperwork. I've got paper here and it's really useless yes. because I'm not lying. I can't read, um, except sonar charts. I can read those yeah. right, quite well. But, uh, so tell us about uh, the, the paperwork in, in your business and what you guys are doing there. There's usually a lot of paperwork that's involved. It's tedious and, and it's kind of stinks. What, what are your paperwork, your paperless capabilities, I guess, if you want to call it that? Yeah, so you know, since the inception of Triumph Pay, we focused on kind of one piece of what we call our postload lifecycle, right? So if we think presentment, settlement, payment, we focus quite a bit of our efforts on what payments look like and how to do that really well and do it at scale. The front part of that is presentment, and that's how do we get paperwork to the brokers from the carriers as fast as possible, do it in a way that the carriers know it was delivered, do it in a way that the brokers know that it's right, so that we can at the end of the day pay carriers as fast as they want to be paid. You know, I talked to Jordan Belfort earlier on Put That Coffee Down, but one of the things he talks about in closing a deal is removing friction from the deal. And one of the things you do with paperwork is you have a single method to submit paperwork to over 300 plus carriers. That's a really nice selling point because nobody wants to deal with all that paperwork. Like Mm -hmm. Michael Vincent was saying, he's the man of 10,000 paper cuts. Now he's got to wear glasses. He's been reading so much paper in his career. So tell us why this is an awesome thing and tell us a little bit more. Yeah, you're right. So I think uh, one of the magical things about what we did is as soon as we launched this, just let's call it six or eight weeks ago, overnight carriers were able to submit to over 300 brokers, right? Last count, I think I had 325 brokers that we could submit any and all paperwork to, your your invoices, your rate confirmations, even your accessorials, right? So if you've got lumper receipt, all of that goes in a consistent way straight to the brokers. Um, brokers get it in a consistent manner, so it makes it really easy to uh, to process. But again, I think one of the things that we're trying to solve um, you know, very quickly is the mental gymnastics, the mental tax that a carrier has to take on to know, hey, for this broker, I need to email it to this address. For this broker, it needs to be a physical copy through snail mail. I need to fax here. Hey, if it's quick pay, God knows exactly uh, what I need to do for it, right? And so what we're trying to do is take out all that friction, take out all the mental gymnastics, and just create one simple way um, to submit paperwork to any of the brokers on our platform, right? And so I think that uh, by having the breadth of our broker base, you know, that, that, that is a very powerful value proposition to carriers who are very, very busy trying to get things from point A to point B. 
Now, Michael Vincent, I know you have a question, but before just two comments that came in right now, you have some great support in the comments section. You're Haley Evans, VP of Sales uh, and Manager at Triumphase. She said, uh, "You're up next. You're talking about the paperwork. She's looking forward to hearing it, and we're we're in loving being in the moment." Carly Reeves says, "The Triumph Pay team comes from everywhere, not just freight. We're a great group, and that's also a great point. For, uh, freight itself tends to bring in people of a lot of different diverse backgrounds. Me myself from the music industry, Michael Vincent. Yeah, absolutely. No, you're 100 right. But I'm I'm." Actually, from the freight community. Well, <laughs> you know, can't win them all. <laughs> I was brought in from washing dishes. <laughs> we actually have a couple former band uh, band directors, right, on our software development team. So that just gives you a sense of how diverse we are, right? And um, I didn't mention it earlier, but one thing that we get the advantage of is being in Dallas. And, and for those that haven't been to Dallas or haven't worked in Dallas, it's probably one of the most diverse places in terms of industries represented, right? Headquarters. Uh, strong operations, right? So you see many people, a melting pot of, of diverse backgrounds. And so we get to take advantage of that being right there in the middle of Dallas. Excellent, excellent, solid point. So you did a great job of talking about these, these, uh, the, 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 process and the paper flow and describing it in such a way that I'm pretty convinced that it won't feel like a Peloton bike when I when I order this and try and integrate it, right? <laughs> Seems pretty easy. I don't know why we're picking on Peloton so I much. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> They've got a mobile app. That's what I was going to get into. What, what about the mobility here? You're not on a Peloton bike. You're actually moving while you're pedaling. What's your solution? Yeah, it's a great question. So, um, you know, a lot of times companies will build a mobile app just to build a mobile app, right? It doesn't really solve a problem. One of the things that we set out to do with paperwork is to make it fit as well as possible into people's existing processes, right? So if you're a large carrier, you're more than likely going to have an AP department that's at a desktop and able to work with our existing web app, right? But I think we'd be remiss if we didn't recognize that a large number of the carriers out there are smaller carriers, they're owner operators. And, and these folks are trying to do things as fast as possible, right? And then get on to the next load. So the mobile app, was very purposefully built to support our owner operators and our small carriers that are out driving so that they can take a picture of their physical documents. They can get it sent in either to an AP department to review and send just as a final check or send straight on to the broker so that their quick pays processing that same day. Trust is sacrosanct in business, and you folks deal with money. So that's like one of the most trusted assets. People care a lot about. How do you foster that environment where uh, where your customers feel confident that the money that you're collecting is going to the right places? Yeah, it's it's a great question. You know, we uh, we don't do only things that that are flashy to the outside world. Um, at, with scale, there's there's a lot of things that we need to do underneath the covers just to make sure that our brokers know that that their money's getting to exactly who we say it's getting to that the carriers are getting that money into their bank as soon as they are, right? The last thing we'd ever want is uh, for something to be misdirected, right? For something to, um, for an account to be taken over, right? And so we're doing quite a bit of work behind the scenes under the covers to, to build security in and build it kind of with the latest and greatest technology because you're right, I, I spent time at Capital One in, in Price Waterhouse before that. So I come from the finance background and, and, and I, I hold it very near and dear to my heart that protecting people's money is one of the most important things that we can do at Triumph Pay. It absolutely is. For folks, for more details about all this, go to triumphpay.com. But as Carly Reese is putting, if you have any questions about what Garrett Wolf is talking about today, join them in there. I think they have a coffee and Zoom meeting going on. So if you want to hang out with the Triumph Pay team, and I recommend you do, they're really cool people, even if it's just for the free Danishes. <laughs> hey, Garrett, thank you so much for joining well, us today. We really appreciate it, you, you coming on. 
You got it. No problem, guys. Have a great rest of your conference. Thank hey, you, Garrett. Stay tuned for Fuller Speed Ahead with Craig Fuller and Dr. Jason Miller as they get smart about trucking data and more. I'm going to have to uh, – I know we have a what the truck right afterwards, but I'm going to have to put on my cap. Pay attention. Take it easy, everybody. We'll have catch to. you soon. Peace and love. See you soon. Very good stuff. Very good stuff.